Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Lucas Oil Off-Road in the house. Mr. KJ, the man, the kingpin himself. What's going on? Doug Fortin back in the house. And, uh, hey, we want to welcome all of the viewers on the Lucas Oil Off-Road Racing Series Facebook page. We're going to be live uh, all night long. So uh, questions that you have for Doug and or Ken, uh, you probably won't have many for me and Dan because you, you, you just I, I know how you are. I know how you are. But it's all good. Jim and Dan here with you, the usual suspects. And, uh, guys, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. It's good to uh, good to see you back here, and uh, you know, just coming off the big race weekend, which uh, I wasn't able to travel to and see. But man, all kinds of excitement blowing up over the internet. Uh, of course, you had the hottest seat in the house. <laughs> I did. It was hot. It was about 100 and some degrees out there. Was it? The, the hot it was here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very hot. And we in Pro Four, we have the opening ceremonies. We get to sit on the uh, front stretch for get to 20 minutes yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> All strapped in, ready to go next to a very hot engine. But it's all good. It was hot. It was a good weekend. So you guys still had a couple of races leading up to it, the, the carts, the buggies, and the UTVs all before Pro No, we had uh, the modified carts, and then we also had the UTVs come out, and then uh, opening ceremonies is the Pro 4s. Yeah. Yeah, the Big Bang. The big it off, Bang. Right? Right? It off. Beating and banging out there. Saw some... Stuff all over the interweb, uh, exciting stuff going on, right? There's some stuff going pretty viral on that, right? Yeah. They had to kick us off the track after 30-some minutes of racing because we were uh, going too long. So, um, yeah, it was uh, flips and pile-ups and lots of crashes. and It's good for the fans. They all liked it. Right? Yeah. Not, well, not me so much. but It was <laughs> exciting, though. It was an exciting weekend. Yeah. Now, Utah Motorsports Complex. Campus. Campus, is that campus, the new name? Well, I know it well from working at all the years yeah. as, as Miller Motorsports. Right. But uh, start off with that a little bit. Has there been any major changes with the, the, the compound, the complex, the track uh, uh, under the new ownership? Or uh, We've had some, yeah, some new ownerships. We had actually uh, the Moto America street bike race happen the same weekend as our race. So oh, wow. the pits were completely full, and uh, those guys were ripping 180, 190 down the front stretch, and it was, uh, it was pretty insane. Yeah, and I think they got a little crossover on the fans also. You know, I think the people that came out to watch some of the motorcycle stuff stuck around and watched the off-road, and I think the same thing happened both ways. So there's a lot of people there. i, I, I got to say, after having the pleasure of uh, commentating the races for several years with, with Lucas Oil up in the, man, the NASA Central Command Announcing Center and getting to see the whole road course with bikes, and they still have the uh, – uh, the car schools and, and all that stuff Absolutely. there? Absolutely. Yeah. The four driving schools still there, the go-kart track. Um, yeah, and uh, they were down actually to about, I want to say, six carts. Uh, they have a whole shipment of uh, carts coming, but they didn't arrive in time. But, uh, you know, every time the Lucas Oil Off-Road crew goes there, they, oh, yeah. they're not easy on the carts, I guess right. is what I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of should be expected. I don't know. Those things are fun, though. We have a good time on the carts. Yes, yes. We're going to have a lot of questions for the guys, and we want you to ask some questions. We already actually already got one for Doug Fortin here, who is kind of known as the guy that is the king of trannies. 
Is that fair to say? I don't know. Transmissions. That's how I make a living. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we have we have about half the field in Pro Four now, and I think we've got almost. I just got that. You pull yeah, the pin yeah. and you throw it. You gotta wait for the response. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was delayed. Uh, the pin just, you know, I don't know. Uh, then I followed that up with that's how I make a living. So I, uh, I, was, I thought you were running with but that. That was, was Vegas. Vegas. That was Las Vegas. Yeah. That was years ago. Yeah, we're not talking about that anymore. But yes, yeah, so I built. I built gearboxes uh, for race cars and um, with a G, and we don't call them trannies. But um, well, the question the yeah. question was, what's new in off-road trannies, Doug? What is new? Um, you know, honestly, we're always doing something new. This year, I'm running a brand new uh, five-speed sequential with a center differential. Um, first year we've run that in our Pro Four, and. Um, we ship one back. Uh, Keegan Kincaid is running one back in in the Midwest right now. So that's new. That's the newest thing in uh, short course off road. Um, what, what makes you sit there and think up like an idea like that? Like, hey, let's let's do uh, this instead. Guys like Kyle Laduke and you know, the, you always have to go out and be faster no matter what. And we've got to get our customers faster. So um, you know, Carl Renazetter, Adrian Cheney, uh, Bradley Morris. Uh, um, Doug Mittag for a while. All these guys run our products. They run our gearboxes, and we got to make them faster so they can be up on top of the box. So, and we're also competing against each other at the same right. time. So, um, yeah, I, that's my business. That's my job to just think of a way to go faster every year. So, how is it? Uh, so, Doug, I mean, you build these uh, trannies, right? <laughs> yep. And, tranny uh, builder. And you're a tranny builder, right? King of trannies. <laughs> and you're tranny out king. there, and you're killing. I mean, you're going fast. I mean, top top guy, right? And you come up with something new, and then Kyle LaDuke says, hey, I want that new stuff. How does it feel to give them that edge, right? When you're trying to win, I mean, you know, is it business? Is it like, do you want to hold back and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you next year? Or, you know, yeah, so well, we kind of have like a research and development program, so we'll go out and, and make sure it's proven first. Okay. All, you know, there's bumps in the road with that. You know, the, we do a lot of off-season testing. This transmission that we're running this year, I tested the year before in the off-season, and in the 2016 season, I didn't race it. Okay. I put the old one back in, and then we got back to the off-season and then tested it again, and then it's ready for release at, at this point. Um, it is hard. Like, when you know you have a, a half a second advantage or you go out and you test it and go, oh, this is going to be good, <laughs> and then, you know, somebody like Carl comes to me and, like, is it faster? Yeah, it's faster. Okay, well, well we need it. So then I know he's going to get faster with me, but that's okay. Because right. that's what, you know, if I'm not winning, I want one of our customers to be winning. Absolutely, and you're still winning. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, between Carl and I and uh, and a lot of the other guys, that we, we do really well. And so we have a, a good representation on the podium all the time, and that's the important thing. What uh, what other applications do you use these uh, trainees in? Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so many applications for trainees. You can't stop. <laughs> hey, you can't stop. stop. <laughs> I unleashed the we, beast, man. <laughs> We, uh, well, yeah, so, you know, all kinds of motorsports. So uh, trophy trucks in the desert. Um, uh, we, we make underdrives for the Pro 2s, uh, the, the transaxles for the Pro Buggies. Um, pretty much the whole field, I think, runs in the Lucas Oil Series. All the Pro Buggies run our, a five-speed uh, Fortin uh, transaxle. Um, and then desert, desert Class 1 open cars, uh, Class 10 cars. Um, we do some uh, drag racing stuff and uh, a lot of racing in Europe and in France and 
um, um, South Africa and Australia. There's a lot of desert series around the world, and we ship gearboxes all over. Dakar. Yeah, I was just um, going to say, have, have you hit any of those those crazy Middle East drifters and sand jumpers out there? No, we we don't do a lot of stuff in Dubai, but uh, Ryan Turek, who a lot of people know in the drifting world, we just built him a brand-new five-speed sequential. It was released at the SEMA show this year, and it's uh, it's a Toyota um, with, a Ferrari, with a Ferrari engine. And uh, he's been doing a lot of demos and running around drifting that what car. What kind of Toyota? Um, so like an FRS? Or? Yeah, yeah, like an FRS. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, they took that, and they, they put the uh, guys at Huddy Racing put um, – partnership with uh, Donut Media, and they put together this big uh, gum out, um, sponsored it, and a uh, pretty cool deal. So anyway, that's uh, a different application. But, yes, yeah, so we have a five-speed sequential and a drift car out there. So Wow. We kind of do anything. Have you dabbled into the UTV stuff with it with it yet? Yeah, we do um, some drivetrain products for UTVs, uh, CVs, and axles. We've built for some of the guys that race them in desert that need better quality parts to be able to... Because obviously not just the... Uh, Racing world, but the pre-runners and the desert toys, your stuff's all over there. Yeah. I am surprised that you're not all over Dubai with these guys picking up all these big dune buggies and, and all that stuff yet. But I guess the answer is just not yet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I've kind of – I've been invited to go over. Um, Has the Sultan sent for you yet? Or? No. So in order to get into that game, um, you really need somebody over there servicing your products, and you have to have a line of – our stuff is so custom – we do 90% of it out of our shop. Right, so that would uh, be tough to yeah, escape, so, yeah. So I could, you know, train somebody like we've done in Australia, send them over there, um, do the maintenance on those. Those guys break a lot of stuff. I mean, and they, they like 2,000 horsepower, you know. It's not, oh, yeah. It's, it's not like a normal, uh, you know, seven 800 <laughs> horsepower that we have. Unlimited here. pockets give yeah. me the fastest thing you can make. And they don't typically last really long doing that. So, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a market, but uh, we're not. We're not going maybe after. maybe worse than people racing on it. Yeah, the way they're driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not, it's not a market that I've pursued. But uh, so have you ever had an issue where you're like you like punch somebody? Not I mean on the track, not in real life. Yeah. And we're like, oh man, that guy used to be a customer. Probably not anymore. Uh, <laughs> you ever have that feeling on the track, like okay, I'm I'm I have I'm pushing the relationship limit a bit much here. On the opposite side, I had the guys, my my guys, our team, tell me that I'm too nice to them. So when Carl and I get door to door, I probably give them a little too much room, and they're like, you know what, you can't give them that. You know, they get mad at me because they right. want us to win. You know, so um, no, I've never intentionally, for sure, not intentionally. Um, of course not. I, and I think he, Carl and well, yeah, Carl and I got into each other three or four times at Estero Beach down um, in Ensenada just uh, two rounds ago, and um, we had a lot of contact. Actually, well, I think I wound up getting a flat out of it, and not intentional. It's, Is it just with the Toyota guys and Carl? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, no, I mean, when you're running hard in, in class, in that in that class, I mean, everybody's fast. And, and that class uh, is stacked. I mean, and, and this so year, it's not a word stacker. It's pretty gnarly this it's year. It's just solid. It's, it's stacker. So just this weekend in at Utah, we had from first the top ten cars in qualifying were all on the same second, and they're actually all within eight tenths of a second from um, first through tenth. So I mean, there's no breathing room. And when you're talking about a, a muddy, wet track that you're out there uh, qualifying on, to be within eight tenths of each other, the whole field's crazy. That's crazy. So muddy, wet from just 
Track prep or yeah, track prep. not conditions? Yeah. No, yeah, before we go out, they, they definitely rip the track and then they water it very heavily. Yeah. Um, especially you guys with the four-wheel drive, and then yeah. it comes around in completely different racing conditions towards the end of the race than the start. Correct. Yeah, the first three laps of our races are very, you know, you, you'll go through 15 tear-offs in three laps, and then you probably only go through five the rest of the race. You know, it's just really wet, and then we blow all that mud off. And Matter of fact, didn't I see something in one of the viral videos that someone missed the tear-off or something, and it turned into a, a spin or a crash at this last race just because of that split second with the roost coming, like, went to miss the tear-off, and they showed the end card and kept packing on, and all of a sudden just, boom! I didn't catch that, no. I mean, the tear-offs are they're crazy in, in these races because we get so much roost. Um Fitch maybe taking it out to the inside, hitting the inside of the turn or something? Yeah, know. that was a sterile. That was a sterile. Found this weekend. Oh, that was a sterile. That's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 he did. He hit the big I just tractor. Watched, I was watching the broadcast. The yeah, yeah, he hit the big tractor tire. And was it from the, the tear-off, yeah. though? Yeah, he couldn't get a tear-off. He missed the tear-off. He was totally blind. He just stayed in the gas, and he ran into the tractor <laughs> tire. <laughs> that quick, though. I mean, the yeah, line, oh, yeah. how much out there, if you're not in the lead, is it, like, blind, especially with mud slinging more than even dirt, you know? Yeah, well, at Astero, they made the, the track out of these tractor tires. It's, you know, they're huge. I don't know how how big are those things, like 20 feet tall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so they have these things laying there sideways, and, and uh, you're racing literally inches from these. So, yeah, if you miss a tear-off and you get roosted out and you're blind, it's very easy to clip one of those things and flip the truck, and it's happened. Let me ask you, uh, tractor tire or K-rail? Well, <laughs> which one? K-rails are way better because you can glance <laughs> off of those. The uh, tractor tires they grab, grab you, you and they spin you around. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, this weekend uh, we had Rob Mack. You know, I mean, uh, it was an unfortunate accident. Hit a K-rail, and that was uh, that was pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, you know, I never see we never see mistakes come out of Rob like that, and uh, I'm not sure what happened if uh, it was a failure, mechanical or whatever. But uh, yeah, he had a K-rail, took a whole K-rail out, and just exploded it. So his uh, hood flipped up in front of him. Ah, okay. So his hood flipped up, and so he was totally blind. He got through turn one because you can kind of see out the right of your vehicle. But as soon as he squared up for turn two, when we have a jump in there, right, he just got off track and just went straight. Now, if it. anyone can race without vision, it would be Rob McCachran. But yeah, he he can, I think. <laughs> I believe. Yeah, you have to have the force, and you have to look out to the left, and you have to keep watching. The, you have to make yourself look left. I've done it before. It's Is tough. that what happens? Yeah. Uh, you know, because I don't, I don't pay attention. Yeah, to if the hood's it's up, you can't see. It's so you interesting have to, to hear. Like, you, what do you do? Looking you know? at the back of the hood does you no good. So you right. actually are, are driving, looking at the side of the track, and, and you know it pretty well. And then you see it start to turn, and I guess it's time to turn. Yeah. But you go in the air off with these things, and, yeah, it's pretty bad when you get a, when you get a hood up in the air. Right? You just need to have a tear-off hood, you know, and it just tears off, you know? And it, just, it should be like yeah. a little release, release level. You know, it's rumored yeah. that some of the drivers out there have tear-off body parts. They might. They might. They come, I don't know. I don't know. The trannies do. The tranny? Tear-off tranny? That was a tranny <laughs> joke, if you didn't catch it. Uh, um, that was for that man KJ right there. Well, I, I, what, what is, your, what is your favorite track in the series, and why? Mine? Yeah. That would be a toss-up between Astero and Reno. I go with Reno. As far as driving the track, I like driving Reno the best, um, and I like being in Acero. Um, Absolutely. Being down on the beach and all the Mexican nationals down there, everybody that comes out to watch us race, it's awesome. But Reno is high speed, just like Acero. I like the high speed tracks, but um, Reno Reno is probably the funnest to drive. We've got the elevation change, and, and you get to climb a hill, and, and uh, really tricky uh 
turn four there is really tough. And yeah, it's a it's a fun track. Why do you like the high speed? I like to go fast. Yeah, just probably you know being, like racing. Being yeah, being in the <laughs> desert for so long. Right. Um, you know that was where I started and probably hence racing. your love of Baja and yep. all the yeah yeah. So you know in a trophy truck going 120 down a wash and you're going in and out of out of trees and rocks and stuff. That's fun. And so when you get going over 100 miles an hour in a short course truck, it's what is top it brings, speed? It brings the intensity it, up, yeah. I think it's going 90, 95 at, in Reno in the front stretch. Close to I think over 100. Over 100. Yeah. We get it just over 100. We go over just over 100 in the stereo. Okay. Now, with 900 horsepower, obviously it's geared for that short course track. You yeah. could probably do the 140 mile an hour trophy truck speeds with the proper gearing. Gearing, yeah, of, course. of course, you know? Yeah, 900. That, our our <laughs> short course truck, if we wanted to gear it to go 160, it would go 160, no problem. Yeah. So is that, is that thing screaming it at 100 miles an hour when it's geared? Yeah, so we have it geared. So when in fifth gear, I'm right at the end of the straightaway. It's just hitting the rev limiter with the tire slip and everything calculated in. So um, we're geared like really for like 116 miles an hour, something like that, at like 9,000 RPM. But you're with the tire slip and everything else you have, it's right at around 100, 102, something like that. Now, <clears throat> going to be going to the new Wheatland track next. Have you been there yet? Have you practiced? Have you seen it? It's no. going to be kind of exciting because me as a fan and someone who's worked in the series and the business for a long time, I like the different tracks. So I love that about Astero and, and, and uh, uh, Reno and all that kind of stuff, and I hear that's what you're going to get from Wheatland. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely. Big track. Nine turns, you know, at, in Wheatland. Uh, I mean, the front stretch is, uh, I want to say it's uh, 1,000 feet long, and uh I mean, big sweeper turns, uh, you know, and and uh, and over under underbridge. I mean, that's going to be pretty in, pretty insane. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, I think the biggest kind. the biggest thing is nobody's driven the track, so none of the racers. Oh, are so driven. nobody's nobody's gotten a chance. And will they? Nobody's going to. I don't think anybody's going to get a chance. It's going to gonna be it. show up and right? your first practice laps is your first time on the track. So everybody's. Gonna I, have to I heard that you had a special site. You were taking bids if somebody wanted to get a little time on it before the race happened. Yeah. Is that true? Like, is that eBay or something? You think? Oh, no, it's like Ken Bay. Ken Bay? Pay Ken off and get to go on the track. <laughs> he, has, he, has, he can take the money, but he doesn't have the authority. Right? To the my, my, I, have, I have no juice card on that. Yeah, my card is limited over there. It's like, you know, my, my credit card is probably like $300. So. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, it'll be fun going to a track that nobody's been on. I've, I've, I've always liked that, just like Estero was a couple years ago when we went down there the first time. and. <clears throat> Now, um, East Coast tracks have tip, typically have some sort of, you know, have a different flavor to them. Are you expecting this to be more of a traditional East Coast type track? You got East Coast type Midwest, dirt, yeah, Midwest. Yeah, yeah it'll be clay. Um, so, uh, and, and anytime we run on Any, a track, anything, the, anything like west of like, like, I don't know, Palmdale for me is East Coast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but go on, go on. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So anytime we run on a track, the first time it's going to be loose, meaning loamy, sandy, the, the roost is going to be um, significant. And then every year we race on track after that, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter and more packed and turns into blue groove and all that. But we probably won't see those conditions. I think the conditions will be pretty loose and uh, rutted. Um, and the berms and jumps will tend to go away, you know, through the weekend, and we'll kind of we'll break, break down a little bit. They'll break down a little bit, have to do a bunch of track work after we get on the track the first time. So, um, it, 
it's always fun being on a track the first time because uh, everybody's it's a level playing field. Doesn't matter how long you've been testing somewhere. You know, it's it's cool. So nice. So the the track is going to have a at Wheatland is going to have a ton of short straightaways um, and some long straightaways, right? So how do you gear your truck? How how, how is that gearing? That's better? where the five the Ford and five speed is a big advantage, right? Okay. So we'll have fifth gear at the end of the long <laughs> straightaway, and then we'll just be first, second, third in the short short shoots and all that. Yeah, so. It'll be tough for the Pro 2s that are running automatics that only have really a two-speed automatic. So they'll just be ringing the – I mean, they'll they'll have a second gear that'll be too tall for the short stuff because um, they'll have to gear second and third up to go the, the speed on the top straightaways. But uh, with the manual boxes, which pretty much the whole field in Pro 4 has now, um, we have no problem with that. We gear it for it, and just like the stereo. And there's – there's one of your people right there, Andrew Myers, just coming yeah. off second place at the 500. Yeah, it's one of our customers right there. He's yes. a good guy. Yes, he is. He's a wild man in a desert car. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, gearbox is a huge advantage there. A lot of gears to choose from. And tires. Let's talk about tires. I mean, I know you're on a new set of tires this year, right? Yep. Let's talk about those uh, those generals. I mean, what? Yeah, so general, we've been working with general for the last four years, and uh developing this new tire a lot of off-season testing the last three seasons and um this year we're running it full-time um there's a lot of money and effort and general tire guys do they put a lot of time into it um to compete against companies like bfg and toyo and the other guys it's um they're they do their homework and we've got a good tire we got a, a new radial this year with a new compound and and we're still working with it um, as we're going to new tracks. Like that was the first time we ran it just this last weekend, and we learned all kinds of stuff about the tire up at Utah. Um, and now we're going to go to – I was just talking to the general tire engineer today, and they were asking, well, what do you think this track's going to be like compared to what we just raced on? I'm like, it couldn't be more different. It's going to be looser dirt, clay. Um, the stuff we raced on at Utah was, was hard-packed, uh, you know, dusty uh, lake bed dirt, you know, up there. So – um, yeah, it'll be totally different, and it'll be, you know, also a learning curve for us with the new tire there, different grooving patterns that we've never run before on this tire. So, but I really liked how the tire performed at Stereo Beach, so I think it'll be pretty similar to that. Nice. So we're going to go with that game plan, having zero track time going in. So, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, also talk about uh, this past weekend in Utah, Bradley Moore's winning do you yeah. get a chance to watch uh, that race? That Pro 2 race? Pro yeah, two race, I just saw yeah. the end of it, yeah. I mean, pretty incredible, him coming out and winning and, uh, you know, it's, uh, again, a testament to, to a team, right? Uh, yeah. And, and obviously his driving, and he's beaten the best of the best. So. Um, yeah, it's really cool to see him. He got um, he, he qualified in the top six, and he did a good job, so he got inverted up front, and he got to stay up there, and he did a really good job staying up there. That's a lot of pressure behind you all the time to – so he never made the big mistake, which is awesome. And so he stayed up there, and uh, Bradley's a good kid. I like him, and he's also a good customer of ours and runs the uh, Fort and Underdrive on the on the Pro 2. So, um, yeah, it was good to see him win. That was cool. Now, will you explain for the folks at home that may not know what an Underdrive is, how, how that works? So a Turbo 400 third gear coming out of it, um, the, the rule is in Pro 2 that you have to run an uh, automatic and you have to run a Turbo 400 transmission. Um, you can, the third gear is set up, it's one-to-one -one coming out of the engine. 
But in short course racing, we need lower gearing. We need final drives in the 8, 8.0 range to one, that type of thing. So you can't run an 8.0 rear gear. It's too weak, right? So um, you can't run a 7.0. The strongest gear you have to run is somewhere in the, in the 5 or under range, like a 478. So the only way to get there is to put an underdrive on the back of the Turbo 400 so it's gear-reducing the third gear. So you take the gear reduction times the rear end gear, and that gets you your final drive. So if you if you and you can't make that adjustment just through the rear end gear. No, because it would be then too. Then the rest of your gears are too low. Um, no, if you if you geared your rear gear down like to a, a seven zero, like too weak also. the pinion head would be that small, gotcha. and, the, and so the the teeth to get the reduction it um, it just doesn't work out. It's just gotcha. not strong enough. So like I said, in short course racing with the power we have, you can't go um, any. Uh, any, anywhere on the f- five or higher scale, you got to stay in the fours. So um, what that means is you have to have a gear reduction. And so we made a planetary gear reduction a few years back, uh, actually for Ricky Johnson when he was running Pro 2. He won points championship with it, uh, two years in a row. And then uh, Brian Deegan put it on his in the Lucas Oil Series, and I think he won two or three championships with our, our gun underdrive. So... Um, yeah, it's a very simple, compact little unit. Bolts right on the back of the Turbo 400 and shares the same oil out of that, so you don't have to have a different oil system. And mm. it gets some gear in in the gear rate, so it's like it's a 56% reduction, you know, in that range. So it it reduces at that. So you have like a you know run a 411 or a 429 or a 457 rear end gear, which is a very strong gear. So explain to me how a young Doug Fortin becomes a transmission mastermind. My dad. Yeah. yeah. So my dad started building transmissions for race cars out of our garage um, before I was born um, in the late 60s. And, I mean, there's pictures of my dad. My dad was an old drag race guy, so he would bring the car home. He had a couple Corvettes at the time that he was drag racing, and he would literally pull the motor and transmission out of the car. My, and he and my mom lived in this little duplex in Claremont in San Diego, and they would pull, pull the engine and transmission out and do work in the kitchen on the kitchen sink. Like they put solvent in the kitchen sink and clean the parts. And my dad would build motors and transmissions and he didn't have a garage. He just did it out of the kitchen. So that was, you know, in the, in the early sixties and classic though. Yeah. Yeah. So taking the cherry picker through the door into the living room. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, you'd have to do what you have to do. Right. Right. So, (laughs) So that turned into, he got involved in, in, uh, desert racing in the early seventies. And then, uh, people just started coming to him for because they knew he knew how to work on the stuff. And when the Volkswagen transmission wasn't strong enough anymore, um, for which everything back then was rear-engine buggies, you know, and they were all running Volkswagen engines. Well, then in the early 70s, people like the McMillans decided, hey, we want to put a Porsche motor in because they're going to be have more power. Well, that, that little transmission, the Volkswagen transmission, wouldn't handle anymore. So my dad had the idea of going to um, Hewland, a company in England, and picking up a, a a gearbox, a transaxle that was designed for more horsepower than the Volkswagen was. And uh, that lasted for a few years, and Corky McMillan and Scott McMillan and, and Mark McMillan all decided, well, that's cool, so let's go from a 2.8-liter Porsche to a 3.2 Porsche. Well, then that human didn't live up to it anymore, so then that evolved into the Fortin, the Fortin gearbox, and um, that's how it happened. So I was growing up um, racing go-karts and tearing down Bob Gordon and Mark McMillan's transmissions um, in our garage to pay for my go-kart racing. And then 
I was doing the transmissions for those guys to pay for my off-road racing, and I did that through college. Um, after college, I where'd you go to college? I went to UCSD. Okay. Triton's, yeah, Triton La Jolla. It's a good place to go. And uh, I worked for an engineering firm right out of school for five years, and then after doing that, I said, you know what, I want to do the off-road thing full-time. And uh, it, my the transmission, the small business that my dad had going out of our garage was still in the garage, and so I'm like. One night I told him, hey, I'm going to quit my job at the engineering firm and take this over full-time. He's like, you are nuts. You know? <laughs> Cause well, I was you're on going a, out of the garage, too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, it just kind of snowballed. I moved it out of the garage and moved it into a building. And a couple buildings later now, we have a full CNC machine shop and 16 employees and gearboxes all over the world. It's pretty cool. It is really cool. I mean, and being pioneers of the sport and the evolution of – the whole desert racing and all that yeah. kind of stuff, man. That's oh, cool. yeah. You know, getting to deal with the people that we have over the years has been awesome. Uh, like I said, the McMillans and Bob Gordon yeah. and Robbie Gordon. Robbie Gordon's first off-road wins had a Fortin gearbox in it, which is cool, you know. And he went on to go IndyCar racing and NASCAR racing and all that. But um, Getting banned from Australia? All of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for his first IndyCar win at uh, Phoenix. That was kind of cool. Really? Standing on top of Bob Gordon's motorhome and picking his picking my dad up and giving him a hug and no so yeah we had great people in off-road racing and to be around them like the myers family for example yeah um i raced against steve myers when i was 16 17 years old in class 10 you know and uh it goes way back and yeah, that's the cool thing about desert racing and short course racing it's a family sport and right. and generations continue to roll through we're starting to see that in, in short course racing already as young as short course racing is we're seeing the kids from Trophy cart, junior ones, junior twos, mod carts now in pro lights and dominating pro- and going into twos and and winning and, and twos and fours. And yeah, Jared Brooks. I mean, his, his first I pro two. that guy in carts his year. His first pro two race, he won. Right. So, right. <laughs> I mean, he went from carts. He's a kid out of Alpine. He lives right down the street from me, and uh, he he did he is. It was because of uh, core. I think coming to Chula Vista and San Diego got that family involved in. Yeah in karting you know they're right. like wow okay jared's gonna do this so he raced a junior one junior two mod jumped into the pro light started winning there now he won his first pro two race this year it's really cool to see that so and that and that family thing is coming along um you'll you're seeing it already and that's and that's what and, built, and i already that's knew because sport. a lot of you guys growing up didn't have something that was gnarly scaled down race machines as these like mod carts that children are racing these days and I'm like, man, with this kind of training, when these kids oh, grow up, they're going to be so much gnarlier than their parents, it's not even going to be funny. I know. It, like, if I had a mod cart when I was 14 or something, or 13, <laughs> 10, these kids are racing. I mean, are you kidding me? So I had a, I had a 1976 ATC 70 that I was learning how to ride. And I, <laughs> well, when I was four years old, my dad got me an Indian 50 motorcycle. So that's where I started. And then, uh, yeah, so I went the, um, I went the go-kart route. My dad didn't want me in motocross, supercross, or anything. He had a couple of friends that were really badly injured in, uh, at Carlsbad in those races. And so he's like, we're staying at pavement or something and get you in something with a roll cage. Now, did you ever have any of the, the, the natural interest in the uh, drag race thing, or was he still doing that at all at that time? Because that's where I yeah. started out doing drag racing here, here at Carlsbad. Yeah, like, my dad loves drag racing. I have no interest in it. Zero. Too fast. It's like you just hold on and go. And the reaction time thing for me is like, you know, that's cool, but man, I like to jump things and throw them into corners and steer them and yeah. 
And uh, so, yeah, I never have any type of interest in drag racing at all. Hmm. It's just like, you know, this wasn't a thing for me. But, yeah. But, yeah, I love um, I love road road course racing. I, I couldn't, I could never get into going around a circle in NASCAR, but Indy cars were, I mean, that was my thing growing up. I mean, watching um, the Unser's and, and the Andretti's and those guys and, um, and that, uh, that was probably my, you know, Indy 500 would probably would have been my ultimate goal to race, you know, and see Robbie like go out of racing and, and, you know, having race with him and see him go there. That's pretty cool. You know? Yeah. And then Jimmy Johnson coming out of off-road racing and we did buds with him. Growing yeah. Up? Uh, yeah. No, Jimmy grew up in El, El Cajon and, uh, went to Granite Hills high school where my daughters go right now or my daughter. And, uh, so he's an East County guy, and he he started when he was man, fifteen or sixteen years old in in a so we had the Mickey Thompson series back then, yeah, in the eighties, late eighties, and uh, Jimmy started in a little um, ultralight car. It was like a kind of like an Odyssey, like the Odyssey, and then he uh, did real well. And uh, his dad was driving the truck for BF Goodrich and grooving our tires, and I was racing a what was called a um, Super sixteen hundred in the Mickey Thompson stuff, and. And Jimmy's a few years younger than me, and he was just watching him, you know, kind of move up. And then the Herzog guys got him into a truck, and and then they took him back east and got him into pavement racing. So, yeah, yeah. it was cool. He's done okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's phenomenal. <laughs> and a good guy, right? The, yeah. It's I mean, really cool. Yeah. yeah. Good guy. To, and so many off-road guys are, in, especially in East County, too, in San Diego. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so difficult to take his path. I mean, I don't know if that would happen again, right? I mean, right. when I was a when I was a kid, I, I raced against Jimmy on on eighty five or eighties back in the yep. day at Barona Oaks, and uh, I remember the transition, him leaving motocross, going into the ultra lights. I'm like, man, what's this guy doing? Motocross is motocross is life, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so and so, yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, you made the right choice. Yeah, he's making a lot more money than I am, so. <laughs> and you didn't have to break any bones doing it or anything. I mean, he hits a wall at 200 every well, now and then. Well, there's that, too. I but mean, those are uh, still way safer than doing a triple jump at Petco Park, right? <laughs> so, uh, so Doug, biggest surprise this weekend, I mean, in the Pro 4 class, I mean, what, what, what surprised you the most? Uh, biggest surprise? Driver or, you know, that, uh, or yourself, um. Um, gosh, I, I, that class, anybody can win. And so I ask, honestly, anybody that is on the podium, it doesn't surprise me. Um, Carl and Rob got inverted in a sixth place inversion to the front row and, and Rob winning on Sunday actually was a surprise. It seems weird that you would think, okay, Rob winning a race was a surprise, but that was a surprise to me because he wasn't really that fast all weekend. Um, but that track starting up front, huge advantage. Um, Meanwhile, in the first six, seven laps, Kyle and I are back there just banging on each other, and Carl and, and Rob are kind of checking out on us a little bit, and uh, that's how I got spun around and, and went backwards but, and got a flat. But um, track positions, everything. And when we're all so even and, and the class has talented guys like Carl and Rob starting in the front row, you can't right. let them get away. They're, even though all week, weekend you know, you've been a half a second faster than them, it, just the track positions, everything. I remember at one time there was a gnarly battle, like first place. I want to say Kyle was up front, and uh, there was about four guys battling for second place, and yeah. uh, it, it was uh, it was pretty intense. And then seeing Chenny, I mean Chenny was uh, was on fire. It felt like this weekend. I mean faster than I've ever you know I've seen him. Mm -hmm. He must have figured something out. And uh, same with Baron. It's good to see Baron come to life. And uh, Baron, like a bit, uh, you're going to say a surprise, like you know Baron qualifying 
as well as he did this weekend. That was good for him. I mean, he, uh, I think he was first. Yeah, he was first on Sunday and second on uh, second qualifier on Saturday's race. We were fourth both days, which was great. I mean, when you have guys like uh, Carl and Rob and those guys. How, how was Greg doing? I just watched the broadcast of, of uh, uh, Baja, and Adler was like bad fast down in Baja for both rounds. Was was he up there charging as well? Yeah, he was right in the middle of the pack the whole the whole weekend. Um, you know, Adler's fast too. I mean, everybody is now. I mean, he, that truck he has is one of Kyle's old trucks, and it's proven and. Um, he's gotten very fast in it and more comfortable every year with it now. I think it's his third season in that truck. So, um, yeah, he's doing really well. He's he's always right there. So let's talk some pro twos. I'm looking at the uh, the season right now, the season standings. McGrath in order here: McGrath, Egan, R.J. Anderson, McCachran, Bradley Morris, Jared Brooks, Rodriguez, Pudia, Patrick Clark, Bryce Menzies, Eric Fitch. That's top ten. Strange to see Bryce's name so far down. Well, he's missed the last. Uh, two races? Yeah, or, he didn't come out to Utah. He didn't come out to Utah, so yeah, he, he missed races. <clears throat> yeah, so just the, I guess it's just Utah he missed. Yeah. He, he ran rounds one and two and then uh, skipped Utah, so that's why he, he doesn't have any points. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. That two so, rounds is, is 100 points, so we got 50 points out. You can get... You if you don't show up for a race, you're off the map. Pretty yeah. Much, yeah. <laughs> so, so up to 100. So he'd be up in, in the mix. Gotcha. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was right there. Bryce was on fire. Bryce is solid, you know, Pro 4 and Pro 2. Very fast in both classes and always uh, right there in the middle of it. So So of these new faces right here, RJ, Bradley, Jarrett, uh, um, Patrick Clark, is he he, uh, one of the new faces? He's been around a few years now. He's a winning driver. Eric Fitch? Eric Fitch, yeah, he's been around. He was a really fast pro buggy driver. Oh, he was? Yeah, really fast pro buggy and moved up to Pro 2 and... uh, what is that transition like? I mean, yeah, we always talk about the right. like the UTBs and the and the other guys, but the buggy guys bounce into the Pro Twos also. Did you battle with him in the buggies? No, I I actually sold him my Pro buggy. Oh, so when he went in Pro buggy, he was racing my car. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Well, actually, no, I take that back. He raced the last year. I raced in Pro buggy in a different car. It was his first year. Um, but yeah, then he he bought our Pro buggy. You kind of passed the torch to him when yeah. he uh, went to the Pro Fours. Yeah, I actually drove the car for him one race up at Reno because he crashed on a mini bike or something his hot pit bike and broke his something out of I can't remember arm or something so he put me in the car for the weekend and got second both days it was cool up there and so that was uh it's a tough transition pro buggy to pro two uh it was tough huh it, that is tough for any anybody that's a tough transition now just the power pro, and pro the... light to pro two um better easier transition because it, it, the buggies are um 200 horsepower and super light and you just have to keep up a lot of momentum, and they're super wide, so they're stable. You don't see them bike in corners and flip very often. Where the lights, they're very narrow, so you learn car control, and they have a V8 in them, so they're fairly torquey, and they got little tiny... Not DOT, a whole lot of travel. ...DOT mm-hmm. tires, so they, they learn how to drive on a small tire with a decent amount of power and a narrow, uh, short truck. So driving skill lessons go way up. That's why you see a guy like Jarrett Brooks go out and win his first Pro 2 race, right? Right, right. What do, you, what do you think about this UTV class? How do you think it's going to impact the industry? It's awesome. I think that, um, well, one, just looking at the pits, right, you've got how many were at the last race? I think we had a 20, 20, 20? Yeah, yeah, right around 20. So you have 20 more teams at the each, each event, and those guys two, three years down the road are going to be looking at pro lights and pro twos also, right, just like yeah. the cart guys are. We have a good friend, um, 
Austin Weiland, who has just started this year running a UTV, and um, it's just it's a great experience driving on the on the tracks, like in the national series that we're running. So you get to run the weekend with all the big teams. So you're get out there getting exposure, but also getting track time on on the tracks that we run on. So um, that's great for the sport. And I don't see any downside to it. it it's interesting because I think people often like do kind of what you just did, which is these guys are going to evolve into pro twos, but man, this sport is growing big and it might be actually more, more a stronger business model to race UTVs for a season to, is at the growth rate they're at right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about it purely from a, from that perspective. Yeah. Well, we all know what, the, you know, the, what happened with this players razor phenomenon. You know, I've heard that players sold more razors last year than Ford sold F one fifties, you know? So it's like, I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm like, wow, well, that's crazy, right? Wow, that's crazy, yeah, wow, like globally, so yeah, that's crazy, right? Yeah, so um, and just to put that in perspective, it's like there are a lot of those out there, and so a lot of people can relate to those things racing on the track, which is just like they can relate to a. And no matter what you're racing, you've got those in the pits to drive around the pits. Yeah, so you already own those. And the other cool thing, I think, as it takes off and builds in the next few years um it's it's pretty affordable to get into to race those things and they're fast right so they're not out there just putting around i mean they get they turn some pretty impressive lap times so i i don't i mean it, i think it's going to grow but like when you look at the so regional so series, these, these motors are all pretty much identical right yeah, well, yeah, they're all thousands. I mean, yeah. yes, speed-wise, basically, and you, but you can all you, you have to leave the the motor stock, so right. you're changing the tires and the suspension. So let's say a Doug Fortin or a Carl Renazetta or what other other superstars might be racing one of those, you can go Holton. get one and be speed-wise right in and there with you right away. Yeah, and at least in the ballpark where to be in there with you speed-wise with your 900 horsepower truck would take a, the biggest effort you can. Yeah. Imagine so. I guess I guess to put it put it in perspective. I mean, if Doug were to jump in a UTV and I were to jump in a UTV, Doug would be. Uh, and I, I'm just throwing numbers out there. Uh, Chuck T. A, a second faster. Iron Butterfly. Have, right. Um, whereas I jump in a Pro Four, he's in a Pro Four. He's gonna be like ten seconds a lot faster than me. And where every turn he's gonna check out, and I'm not gonna be able to see him. He's gone. Right. In the UTV, I'm able to see him, and he's just inching away. So um, the average guy or somebody that was you know, a construction worker that had the money that was able to have the premium set up, he wouldn't go out and just get completely smoked and his pocketbook wouldn't be completely empty, you know? So, yeah. um, whereas uh, in the Pro 4, um, that's a different story. He'd have to mortgage everything and then... Uh, See, I think I would... <laughs> yeah. He'd be completely broken when he left. Well, the R motor in the Pro 4 would be the price of about four of those UTVs, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. And, and you have backup motors and you have the potential to go out there, pop one, put another one in and pop that yeah, God yeah. forbid. Let's not even the, wish that on anybody. The but budget is definitely happens. different. Yeah, so it's an entry level. It's I think it's a great thing for the sport because it gets people in if they have interest in in racing and on a national level in a series like this, they can just go get a UTV. Um, like then there's there's a few guys that are building these now with kind of the race setup and the race parts, like uh, Jason Weller, right. And so you got Weller out there. You can just go get a UTV from him. Yeah. So it's you know, I don't know what the, you know you you buy one for twenty grand and for another twenty grand you probably have a race ready one right. So um, and that's what um, 
Brock Hager did, right? Absolutely. So Brock was one out. I think he won both days at Utah with it, um, and that's one of the Weller ones. So, yeah, it, you can it can be competitive right out of the gate with something that you can definitely afford, you know, yeah. if, in See, perspective. To, Ken was nice. He was like, ah, oh, we'd go out there and you'd be like four seconds a lap faster than me. I wouldn't have said that. I would have been like, we go out there and I would be able to – I would be able to battle. Like he, he, he'd be trying to keep up with me. I was being modest, man. You know, I don't want to. <laughs> man, a racer don't respect another racer that is you know modest. What? All right. Depends how many trannies were involved. You know, you know it's just the, the mindset. You know, I'm going to go ahead. But anyway, July 29th, you know, I'm going to give the shameless plug right now to our Lucas Oil Regional Let's Series. Let's do it. July 29th will be at Glen Helen. September 30th, so uh, the regional series is a great place to start. I mean, Doug, not that you go there. You've Talk been about there getting more times, driving right? time in these Absolutely. UTVs. You could race that all the time, too. That's, yeah. Where, yeah, that's where all the UTVs should start, really, and, and the carts. And, and we didn't have the regional, you know, years ago. The regional has been out yeah. around since, uh, I want to say, 2010. So, so with that, um, how important is that regional series? I mean, in comparison to off-road, uh, what, what do you think that? I mean, let's talk about that. Yeah, so like the regionals, like you know, like a um, college football to the NFL or farm league to the you know major league baseball. So it it allows you to go out and race with people at at your own level to get confidence um, and not have to spend a bunch of money to battle with a team that's going to outspend you. You know, so and it gets you track time on the same on the same tracks that the national series is going to run on. So. Um, Right, renting a track like we'll go do a two or three day test session, and we have to rent the track every day. It gets expensive, so these guys for fifty bucks, I think it is, or something. You go out and practice all day on a Friday before regional series, and um, that's that's great access to the track. Um, yeah, it's the regional series is it's a it's a grower feeder system to the other series, and you go out and test, and all of a sudden you're at a regional event and you're running the top five. And you're like, okay, cool, I could go run the big series, and you know, absolutely be right there. Yeah, we've got uh, we had a uh, Brad DeBerdy come out of the regional series yeah. and completely killed it. First race won the the pro light class and and both basically Saturday and Sunday. No one's ever came out of the regional series to come and win a national series, uh, you know, a national level out of out of the like, right. Coming it, out, it, it did its job and, it and he he's killing it. Right. Darren Hardesty ran a couple races in the regional series and did so well. Then his dad's like, wow, he's we're just gonna let him run because he came out of a a, a mod cart. And then the next year he's running a pro buggy in the regional series, and they're like, "Well, we don't know how he's going to do, but he did so well." They're like, "Okay, well, we're going to run the next national series." And then all of a sudden he's running the top five. I remember that. That was uh, it was pretty amazing. I mean, people would. I mean, it's, it's a great proving ground, right? You're racing yeah. against some of the same guys, and uh, you know, races are as low as 125 dollars. You, you can race and. Ten dollar entry to get in. So if you want to come check it out, it's ten dollars to come to the regional July 29th. Ten bucks. Ten bucks, man. Everyone's yeah. got ten bucks. Jimmy spends ten bucks every time he gets out of here and goes to Seven Eleven. Ten dollars <laughs> is gone, right? I'm telling you, I'm gonna go get me a Can Am. I just, I'm gonna dial that thing in. Can you race a Can Am then? You, you can. You can. Good. Yeah. So. I'm gonna go get me one of those. Yeah, hey, I gotta give I'm another shout out to one of the. Get some Fortin parts in it. <laughs> we, got, we got another legend watching the show here. Shout out to my man Scotty Mack. What's going on, buddy? Scotty Mack. Scotty Mack. He is. Hold on. We're, let me refresh this right here. I gotta see his name pop up right here. Man, Scotty Mack. Hey, those of you guys that are watching, do go ahead and drop in your questions. We want to hear them for those of you guys listening uh, here in San Diego on ESPN seventeen hundred. Have you looking? Throw some. Want to watch it? Look. 
the okay. biggest thing. Biggest thing. Just hit that share button share and share this right now. That's the most important thing you can do. Y'all today. need to share this. Right. And hit us with some 80s trivia because Doug Fortin has a uh, different side to him than I think maybe everybody knows. <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> I'll get in on a little bit of that. Yeah, I know. I know you mode, mode, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, if you're talking that, <laughs> Pistol Pete might have a shot at the yeah. because he listens to that one, the Depeche Mode channel in the mullet going down the street 24-7. Uh, I'm definitely more uh, Boston or uh, yeah, Journey mode. than uh, yeah, absolutely. Depeche Mode. Maybe some violent fans. The Eagles or something. <clears throat> I see you with your little John Morrissey Cougar. shirt. John Cougar Mellencamp, Rocket. Yeah. John Cougar Mellencamp. Apparently Morrissey and the Smiths are like the same. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I used to listen to them. I was never into them. So Doug Fortin, what, is, what does Doug Fortin do besides kill it on the machine shop and, and race more, and race the uh, the off-road truck at, at Lucas Oil Off-Road? Like what, spare time? Yeah. What, what? Well, I have two uh, awesome girls that uh, take up all the other time. So I have one, uh, Allie, who's uh, 16. She's a senior this year at, at Grand Hills High School is an awesome soccer player, and she plays soccer. She's like, a 16-year-old senior. I have a 16-year-old sophomore. Yeah, yeah. She was, I can't uh, imagine my son as a senior right now. Sorry, yeah. son. <laughs> so she's, she raced uh, Junior 2s in the Lucas Oil Series and loved that, but her, her soccer, um, she got into club and traveling, and she plays for Albion in San Diego. So she how, li- how do you keep up with that? Because every day. That's what I was just going to say. It's it's like one of the most consuming things I've ever seen. Yeah, that's a full time job. So if you're doing that, there parent. is no time to race carts. Nope. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it was one or the other, really. And then and then she got they don't have she got too old for the carts. They don't have scholarships for carts. Yeah, yet. I told her, you know what? As awesome as Lucas Oil is and carts, <laughs> it's not getting you in college. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that'd be good. We could start a scholarship program. That'd be pretty cool. We should work on. Uh, and little school team, yeah. off-road team. racing school. Yeah, we're talking Bob Patterson about that. If you get a little off uh, Lucas that Oil scholarship, awesome. awesome. Some some kid that comes through the karting ranks and gets a scholarship out of that, that would be pretty cool. Yep. Anyway, so um, she's a soccer player and does awesome, and it's like a full-time job being a parent just doing that. And then we have Alyssa who just or uh, Taylor, who my youngest, who just turned 12 yesterday. She, happy happy birthday. birthday! Yeah, yeah, happy birthday! Happy birthday! Yeah, so she. Um, She's a competitive dancer. Mm. Oh, wow. Like next week, for example, are the Nationals in Vegas, and so we'll be in Vegas, and she's got Sunday through Friday dancing in Vegas um, over Fourth of July week. So we'll be doing that. Crazy. You guys yeah. are seriously busy. Yeah, so she has... So you're not just sitting on the lake fishing? No. Wondering what's next? <laughs> <laughs> we we like to go to Lake Havasu, yeah. speaking of the lake, and we keep a boat out there, and we and any free weekend, and I'm, always, I'm getting mad at them these days because of the soccer and the dance, and I'm like, we can't go this weekend either. We can't... Go. I mean, they've always got something. So when we do sneak away, we went Memorial Weekend. That was cool. And we like have the river? Yep. So we like to go out to Havasu, and then we've got beautiful San Diego to do stuff in and right. go catch a Padre game. Going to go to the Padre game tomorrow night. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, that's what we like to do. And I mountain bike to stay in shape, um, work out. Um, you, do, you do the uh, the series here, the Victor Sheldon series here in Escondido ever, race any of those? Mm-hmm. Quick and Dirty? No, and dirty I know of them. And, and, By uh, Hodges, they do? Yep. Oh, that, that I know. I'm very familiar with it. I know Victor. Um but no, I haven't I haven't done any of those. I we have great riding out in Alpine. Um, 
Anderson Truck Trail and all that. I ride that, ride it with uh, Jarrett Brooks this huh. couple, a couple weeks ago. Sweet. He got to watch me do uh, over the bar uh, <laughs> digger, as he called it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So um, yeah. So mountain biking um, and uh, you know traveling around all of the southwest United States with my girls doing their being yeah, sports dance and, and soccer. So and I love that. That's awesome. Watching them dance. Well, Vegas soccer. and July 4th should be nice and cool out there. So. Yeah. Oof. Good thing it's in the MGM. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the, cooler in there. It's in the MGM, uh, you know, whatever that is. It's ballroom. in Sam Boyd. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do we, we get this question right here? When uh, when was your first race? Did we get that one? I don't think we got that yeah. one. Ask him. We've run out of time, so let's ask him. Yeah. So, uh, Glenn Neves, when was your first race? Uh, when and where? Yeah, desert racing. I was uh, 15 years old, and I rode shotgun with my dad in a one six or two 1600 uh, desert car. So that would be my first desert race. Uh, my first short course race would have been in the Mickey Thompson series. I was 18 years old, and I was running a, a super buggy in that. And then uh, I raced desert uh, all the way, stopped full time in 2003. I, I ran. Awesome. We won the 1,000 overall in 2003, and, and that's pretty cool to have hanging on your shelf, huh? Right. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. So then we uh, got into short course racing in 2007 again, after the Mickey Thompson thing uh, folded their tents up in the early 90s. So yeah, we got a, another question from my guy over at Lucas Oil, Tommy Estrada. He uh, he's a branding director. What's up, Tommy? How you doing? Uh, he asked, "Are you ready for Wheatland?" I am so ready. Like I said earlier, I love going to new tracks, um, and I love big tracks. So um, I've been looking forward to this one. That's kind of like I put the star by it at the beginning of the year. I'm like, that's going to be cool. Yeah, forward to it. And I know that they're going to, you know, hit it out of the park as far as the whole experience. Oh, you be there. You, this is going to be like Lucas Oil Speedway. I work at Lucas I've never been there, and I'm super pumped to go and uh, – <laughs> I mean, between the lake, uh, the go-kart track, I mean, the bar, everything that's happened, I'm excited. So, Where can they follow the series? Offroad.com or Offroad. Uh, go to Lucas Hall Offroad Race. Or Lucas. And uh, you'll see us. Doug, where can they follow you? At Doug Fortin on Instagram. Doug yeah. four ten. The number four and then TN. Yep. Off-Road Live. We are a Fox Sports Radio affiliate. Every Monday, 4 West, 7 East. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, 
Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.